appreciate that. Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is where we're going to be this evening. As Brother Randy said just a moment ago, that song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go, he said it's easy to sing, but it can be tough to live. And whenever he said that, I thought, you know, obviously the song wouldn't sound as good, but you could also sing, Wherever He Doesn't Lead, I'll Not Go. You know, because sometimes we want him to lead us someplace and he doesn't lead us where we'd like him to lead us. And we've got to be just as content in the lack of leading sometimes as we are in the leading. And I thought of that because of what we talked about last week in Acts chapter 12, where we watched as Peter was sound asleep on the eve of what would have been his persecution, what would have been his execution. And, you know, we talked about how. Peter could sleep in the midst of that situation because he was at perfect peace with God's will for his life, no matter what it was. And that is a difficult place to find ourselves in sometimes, to be in perfect peace no matter what God's plan is, no matter what God's will is. And I needed the reminder last week. I would suspect some of you needed the reminder last week. And I think it's a reminder that is good for us on a regular basis be content where God has us. Be content with God's will for our lives and trust that he knows what he's doing. It's tough, but it is necessary. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I am thankful for your willingness to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for your goodness to us. I pray that you'd help me tonight in these next few moments to convey what is on my heart, what I believe you've laid upon my heart, and Lord, that it'd be a help to each of us, uh, to those who would need it at least. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that all of us still struggle with sin, all of us still struggle with failures in our lives. None of us have arrived, and I am no exception to that rule. I also mentioned that while we don't mind admitting and confessing that we are fallen people, that we are flawed people, uh, etc., sometimes we don't like to be specific about some of the things we struggle with, some of the things we wrestle with. I don't know if you remember me saying that or not, but we don't mind the general admission of, I'm a sinner, I still make mistakes, I still struggle and fail sometimes. We don't mind the general admission of that. We just don't like to be too specific about what it is we struggle with. And yet every once in a while, we are reminded of the specific things that we still, that we still struggle with. Would you agree? I'm going to illustrate that this evening in a way that hit home with me this last week. And, and there's a point to this. There's a principle in this that I want us to think about. But for some time now, I don't know how long it's been, but for some time now, it really has been a burden of mine to be careful with the words that I speak. Because the scripture is so clear on the power of the tongue. And so I've tried and I've been more mindful of it. I've prayed about it. 
probably more than, than I have in a long, long time. And, and so it's something that I've been giving attention to. It's something that I've been working on. And one of the ways in which I'm trying to be careful in my words and my conversation is in the manner or in the means of not dominating conversation. You know what that's like, don't you? To, to be around people who have the ability to dominate conversation. It's, it's like they don't have an ability to listen to others. They've always got to jump in and say what they're thinking. And, and they can't let somebody finish what they are saying before they've got to say something else. And, and, and I just, I, I don't want to be that person. You understand what I'm saying? That's not the type of individual I want to be. And so that, among several other things that I've, I'm trying to work on and deal with, that would be one of them. And, and this past week, I was at a wedding for my niece, and our family was there, and it was there in Oklahoma City. And, and because of it being in Oklahoma City and the relationship of my brother with other people, I saw some people that I've known now for over 25 years that I don't get to see very often. And so we were standing there talking after the wedding, and I was visiting with the man and his son, and I was talking, just conversing, but I kept talking and kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. Driving home that evening, here is what I realized. The very thing I don't want to do, I did. I dominated the conversation. I talked what I thought was far more than I needed to talk in that particular situation. I said things that were not inappropriate, but I just said things that probably weren't even necessary and I know were not solicited. I just unhinged my mouth and I just started talking and I guess whenever I took a breath they would try to say something and then I would just keep talking again and so driving home I realized just how badly I had handled myself in that situation so I knew for myself I had to reach out to that person and apologize so on Friday I reached out to them I apologized they were gracious and said think nothing of it I didn't take it that way at all and that's fine that they responded that way with the level of grace and mercy but the bottom line was this in my heart I knew I had failed I didn't fail on purpose I didn't fail out of rebellion I didn't fail because I was determined in that moment to do something that I knew I shouldn't do. I failed, though, simply because I was not mindful of what I needed to be doing, engaging in conversation and listening, not dominating, not being overwhelming in the conversation. And whenever it was all said and done and I finally realized what I had been guilty of, I was so disappointed in myself. It was embarrassing, to be honest with you. Almost to the point of, I thought to myself, I hope I don't see them again for a couple of years. Maybe it'll give them time to forget just how overbearing I was because I wouldn't want to talk to me if I saw me again very soon if I were them. Now, the principle in that that I want us to think about, the principle that I want us to give attention to is just this. 
How many times have we walked right into a failure that we didn't even realize we were walking into it until well after the fact? Have we ever been there? Maybe not in the words you spoke, but maybe in some other area, maybe in some other facet of life. You didn't do that, whatever it was. You didn't do it intentionally. You didn't do it with the spirit of defiance. You didn't do it with the spirit of rebellion. But you did it, whatever it was. And by the time you realized you had done it, looking back on it, you thought to yourself, how disappointing that I did the very same thing I've not wanted to do. Have you ever been disappointed in yourself? Well, if you haven't been disappointed in yourself, something's not right. Because we ought to be disappointed in ourselves from time to time because none of us have arrived. That was weak. Because none of us have arrived. Come on. We ought to be disappointed in ourselves from time to time because we realize, man, this sinful flesh is still a very powerful thing in my life. And so tonight, with that principle in mind, I'm going to share with us some things that, that I think will be a help to us. This may not apply to you. This may not be anything you struggle with. You may leave here tonight and say, I just can't relate to that. And that's fine if you can't relate to this. If you've got this one down, if you've got this one mastered, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I just know for me it was something that helped me again this week, and if it can help you, then that's a good thing. Tonight I want us to think about a very simple word that every one of us are very familiar with. I just want us to think about this one word for a moment, and that is prayer. The word prayer. If I were to ask you tonight what prayer is or what is a definition of prayer, obviously I don't know what every one of you would say. I don't know how every one of you would define it. But from the perspective of a believer, from the perspective of a Christian, I think this is what we would eventually be able to boil our answer down to. I think we would be able to basically define the word prayer as an individual communicating with God. That is a simple definition. It is a basic definition. And yet it communicates everything about the issue of prayer that really takes place with an individual and God. Prayer is when a person like me or a person like you communicates with God through Jesus Christ. As we think about the subject of prayer, I want us to think about just a few aspects of prayer from the Scripture. We'll not turn there. I just want us to think about this, though, that as you read through the Scripture, here is what cannot be argued, that it is assumed in the Scripture that God's people will be people of prayer. It's not something that the Scripture is trying to that the Scripture is trying to convince us that we need to do it. It's just assumed in the Scripture that if we are children of God, 
that we are going to be people of prayer, that we are going to be people who communicate with God. So that is an assumption that is made in the Scripture. And I'll just go ahead and say this real quick and we'll move on. But if you and I are not people of prayer, then there is something wrong in our Christian lives. You and I are supposed to be people of prayer. Now something else that is understood in the Scripture is this, is that while Christ gave a pattern for prayer, there is not a specific set of rules or a specific guideline given for how we ought to pray. You understand this, right? And, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. There is not a specific set of rules or a specific guideline given on this is how you pray as a believer. So we're not like some religions that says, well, you have to kneel on this particular rug and you have to face this particular direction and you have to pray X number of times per day. That's not how we function and that's not how we operate. The scripture just lets us know that we as God's people ought to be people of prayer. And as people of prayer, we can bring anything to God in prayer at any time. We don't have to have formality. We don't have to have ritual. We can come to God at any time concerning anything. And so that is assumed of us, no matter our age, no matter our gender, no matter our status in life, you and I are expected to be people of prayer communicating with God what would be on our hearts. There's one other aspect of prayer that I think is important because it's something that is overlooked in our culture today, and that is this. The Scripture also makes this clear, that if a person chooses to live in disobedience to God's Word, meaning it is a choice, knowing what God's Word says, knowing what God's Word teaches, and they choose not to live in obedience to that, then that person's prayer is an abomination to God. Proverbs chapter 28 lets us know that very clearly, that if a person knows what God's word is, if a person is aware of God's word, and they choose not to live in obedience to it, and yet they're still going to go through the structure of prayer or through the format of prayer, that person needs to know that that prayer is an abomination to God. God is not impressed with the rebel who decides to pray for whatever reason. But so long as there is an effort and a desire in the life of a person to live in obedience to God's will, they can communicate with God no matter who they are at any time in relation to anything they want to pray about. So if it's in relation to a burden they are carrying, they can bring that to the Lord. If it's in relation to a praise that they want to lift up to God in prayer, they, that can be done by anyone at any time. I know that we know this, but I want us to be reminded of it. That is the privilege of prayer that we can communicate with God at any time about anything, no matter who we are. So that in mind, let's consider the book of Thessalonians. Again, I know that most of you are aware of this, but this was written by Paul to believers in Thessalonica. 
And some of you may say, did you preach this passage before? The answer to that question is, yes, I've preached this passage before. That's okay. We'll be all right. Amen. You don't have to encourage me tonight to know that one's okay. I've preached this passage before a couple of years ago, two and a half to be exact. But I want us to, to think about the context of this letter from Paul to the believers of Thessalonica. The believers of Thessalonica were a group of believers that Paul was able to commend for their spiritual lives. These were not believers like those in Corinth. These were not believers like those in the region of Galatia that Paul had to reprimand and rebuke and try to get them back on track. No, these were believers that the Apostle Paul was able to commend. He was able to, to point out what they were doing right. He was able to encourage them and exhort them to keep it up. And so as we come to the closing chapter of this letter, we read what we have read, I'm sure, so many times before, kind of these bullet points or these bullet thoughts that Paul wanted to close with. And we begin in verse number 15. We'll just start there because it's a good place to start. Paul said in chapter 5, verse number 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Verse number 16, rejoice evermore. Verse number 17, pray without ceasing. Verse number 18, in everything, good, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse number 19, quench not the spirit. Verse number 20, despise not prophesyings. On and on it goes until we make our way down to verse number 25. As we come to verse number 25, this is obvious, this is clear. Paul brings up the subject of prayer once more. And what does Paul say in verse number 25? He simply says this, Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. So who is he writing to? He is writing to fellow believers. He's not writing to some general vague crowd that he doesn't know the spiritual condition of or at least the testimony of those people that he is writing to. He is writing to people who have a testimony of salvation, who have a testimony of a personal relationship with Christ. And in closing his thoughts out to these believers in this church, in this area, he says, brethren, pray for us. Brethren, on our behalf, I want you to communicate to God. Brethren, I want you on my behalf and on behalf of everyone who is with me. Brethren, I am asking you and I am encouraging you and I am requesting of you that you would pray for us, that you would communicate with God on our behalf. Now, I know that we're aware of this, but again, just stay with me here. There are times that Paul would ask people to pray for him or them, and he would be specific as to what he was desiring them to pray about. It might be this, it might be this, or it could be something else. There were times that Paul was specific, please pray about these things. But in verse number 25, here's what we see. We see that it's not specific. There is nothing mentioned in particular all Paul says is, is brethren, pray for us. 
brethren, pray for us. Now, why was he not specific? Why was he not specific? Why did he not tell them exactly what to pray for? Here's the answer. We don't know why. Paul, why didn't you tell him what to pray for? Because I didn't want to, apparently. So I don't know if the Apostle Paul maybe had already conveyed to them what he would like for them to pray about in relation to him. I don't know. It may be that the Apostle Paul said this. They're smart people. They can figure it out. Right? I mean, Paul understood that they understood the issues of life. And and so maybe Paul didn't want to insult their intelligence and say, Okay, pray about this, pray about this, pray about this, pray about this. He, He may have just stepped back and said, Listen... They can figure it out. They know the ministry that I'm a part of. They know what we're engaged in. They know what we're dealing with. They know how to pray for us. I don't know what prompted Paul to not be specific, but all he said to them was this, Hey, brethren, pray for us. Communicate with God on our behalf. So here is prayer, the subject of prayer. It is assumed throughout the Scripture that God's people will be praying people. So you have to assume that Paul assumed that the Thessalonian believers were praying believers. And yet he says to them, pray for us. Now if it's assumed that believers are people of prayer and that these believers would have been people of prayer, why would Paul have to say to them, pray for us? Well, I got to thinking about this question. It may not be stimulating. It may not be interesting. It may not be anything you care to entertain in your thoughts. I understand that. But I I, I asked myself this question. Where was Paul when this letter was written? Because obviously he was not in Thessalonica, right? You wouldn't write a letter to people you are with every day. So obviously Paul was not with them. So where was Paul when he wrote this? Well, some believe Corinth. Some believe that he was in Ephesus. Others believe that he might have been someplace else. The bottom line is this, is who cares where he was at? All we know is, is that he was not with them. So here is Paul writing to believers who he would assume would be people of prayer, but he still reminds them to pray for him and those who traveled with him. Well, why would Paul do that? Do you think Paul understood the nature of people as well as we do? I mean, think about this. If, If Paul dealt with people very often, which we know he did, Do you think he picked up on the tendencies of human nature and and what people might be like? Well, of course he picked up on that. So, So what do you think Paul may have thought wherever he was at penning this letter to the believers of Thessalonica? Is it possible that Paul thought about the fact that the people of Thessalonica had their own lives to live? You think it's possible? Well, of course it's possible. You know, you think about this, they probably were not receiving monthly prayer letters from the missionary, Apostle Paul, reminding them of everything that was going on. 
So here is what's happening with the believers in Thessalonica. They've got their own families to worry about, right? They've got their own livelihood to worry about. They've got to survive themselves. And and they've got other things that they've got to tend to. They've got other things they've got to deal with. They've got other things that they've got to be mindful of. And and here's what I want us to, to consider for just a moment. That I don't believe that with the relationship that Paul had with the believers there in Thessalonica, I don't believe that any of the believers would have intentionally forgot about Paul. But with the busyness and the craziness of their lives, it would be easy for them to not be mindful of Paul, maybe to the degree they needed to be mindful of Paul. So here is Paul, and he's not trying to be selfish, I don't think. He's not trying to to put the spotlight on him and bring the attention to himself. But I think he is simply trying to remind them, hey, listen, when you pray, don't just pray for yourself. When you pray, don't just pray for your immediate set of circumstances. When you pray, don't just pray about what is going on in your life. I think he's trying to an extent to remind them, hey, listen, there are others out there who you need to be aware of who still need prayer, who still need you to communicate to God on their behalf, and we are some of those people who need your prayer. Don't get so busy and wrapped up in your own life that you forget there are others that stand in need of prayer. Now, if you think about that, just give some thought to this. Are we a people today who still need prayer? Obviously, we are. I wouldn't dream of being specific tonight. I would not dream of trying to point any one particular situation out this evening. But as I was thinking about this message and as my thoughts were coming together, I just thought of of this simple truth that within this body of believers that we are a part of, there are people right now who are facing spiritual battles. You may not be aware of them. You may not be mindful of them. You may not know the specifics of it. But there are people right now engaged in some serious spiritual battles. And you know what they need? They need prayer. Who do they need prayer from? They need prayer from other believers. There are people in our church who are not just dealing with these spiritual battles and what they are wrestling with. There are people in our church who are facing... Levels of uncertainty that simply is not enjoyable for them. Their lives are in limbo. They don't know exactly what's going on. If you were to ask them about the future, all they could do is shrug their shoulders and say, I really don't know. You know what they're in need of? Prayer. Communication with God from whom? 
fellow believers. We have people in our assembly. We have people in our church family. They've got financial stress. They've got health stress. They've got relationship stress. And there are other things going on that they don't want to be too specific about. And in all of these situations, in all of these instances, I'm just trying to remind us, you know what they are in need of? Prayer. Going to God through Christ in this avenue of prayer, praying for them. Is that a surprise to any of us? I mean, be honest. Are you sitting here thinking to yourself, man, I've never heard that, that I ought to pray for others? No, we, we all know that, don't we? I know that, you know that, our children know that. If they've been in church very long at all, we're trying to teach them, hey, pray for others, pray for others. We're aware of this need to pray for others. Kind of like me, not paying attention, getting careless with my tongue and dominating the conversation, though unintentional. Think about the principle here. What sometimes happens in our lives accidentally, unintentionally, not done out of rebellion, but it just seems to creep up on us and we don't even realize it? What seems to happen sometimes in our prayer life? I'm not going to speak for anyone but myself. I'll just say this. Sometimes, as I've said before, my prayer life and my circle gets fairly small. Can you identify with this? Pretty soon I'm thinking about what's going on in my family. Pretty soon I'm thinking about what's going on in my little extended family. Pretty soon if I'm not careful, I'm thinking just about this and just about this and just about this. And if I'm not careful, here's what happens. Though I know I ought to be praying for others, I've got such a small scope of people that I am praying for that many that I ought to be praying for are not getting prayed for by me. Is this real life? You know what I need to be reminded of, though it is assumed that I would be a person of prayer? I need to be reminded of my responsibility to pray for others. I need to be reminded that I have a personal responsibility to be going to God through Christ on behalf of others concerning concerns they have and burdens they are carrying, things they are dealing with, things they are going through, things that they need help with. I need to be reminded that that is much my responsibility as it is anyone else's to be praying about it, and it's as much your responsibility as it is anyone else's to be praying about it. We should be praying for others. 
We know it, but we lose sight of it because we've got our own issues, we've got our own circumstances, or maybe because we're so busy we're not really giving to prayer the time that it deserves. I'm just trying to remind us tonight that prayer for others should be a part of our lives. Who should we pray for? People. But like how? We should be praying for our children. Can I just remind us, whether we have children that are school age or not, can I just remind us that we need to be praying for our children? Because our children are saying things and they are dealing with things and they are coming into contact with things that many times we as adults lose sight of. I don't know how often you pray for the young people of our church. I don't know how often you pray for the teenagers of our church. I'm just saying that those of us who are still in the process of raising these kids, can I just remind us we need your help to be praying to God on our behalf for our kids? We need to be praying for those who are going through the spiritual battles right now. We don't have to know all the specifics. We don't have to know all the details. But if we'll use our minds and if we'll use some common sense, we can probably tell that there are some people who are struggling, who are going through a difficult time. And we don't have to go to God with all the details because he may be aware of those better than we are. But, but we can go to God and say, God, I know they're struggling. God, I know things aren't right. I know that things aren't what they once were. I know that things are slipping in their spiritual life. And God, I, I just want to pray for them that you would do in their life whatever needs to be done. That's who we need to be praying for at times. The ones who are struggling with financial uncertainty, the ones who are struggling with health issues, the, the ones who are dealing with, with whatever it may be that they have confided in with you, whatever it is, we need to be praying for them. I know I've said this before. We've got missionaries that need our prayer. We've got fellow Christians in other parts of this world that we've never met. But all you've got to do is read the headlines to know that there are some Christians dealing with some serious issues and they deserve our prayers. I mean, common sense should just dictate to us that we would be men and women of prayer and that we would pray outside of our own circle and that we would pray for others. But if I'm not careful... Here's what happens. I get so wrapped up in my own little world that if I don't see it immediately in front of me, then I don't pray for it like I ought. Whenever I don't pray like I ought and then I'm finally reminded of it and it's finally brought to my attention, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I, I find that I'm disappointed in myself. I'm frustrated because I know better and I ought to be more engaged in the process of prayer. 
Somebody may say, well, Brother Kyle, are you admitting that you don't pray? No, you're reading too much into it. I do pray. And I do try to pray for others. But if I'm honest, sometimes I don't pray like I ought. You may say something like this. Well, well, Brother Kyle, there is no way in the world that I could pray about everything that I am aware of and know about. Because that could lead us to pray for a long time, correct? Okay, it could. So I want to throw just a few things out just for your consideration and and see if this is reasonable. Well, I can't pray for everything. Okay, I I got you. I understand that. But could we possibly give more time to prayer to pray about more things? Well, if I did that, I'd have to wake up earlier. Right. Right. Or I'd have to turn off the TV earlier in the evenings to spend more time in prayer. Right, yeah. So, so that's really not a valid argument that it would take longer because it's okay to give more time to the matter of prayer. But Brother Kyle, I couldn't possibly begin to pray for everything that I'm aware of, even if I gave myself an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour. There, there's no way that I could pray for everything. I got it. We've got to be reminded, though, that we can pray throughout the day. And when the Lord brings something to mind, we don't have to stop and kneel and face a certain direction, remember? We can simply immediately bring that to the Lord and say, God, I want to lift them up right now. You brought them to mind for some particular reason, so, so I may or may not know what's going on, but if God brings them to mind, it doesn't have to be in my morning or evening prayer time that I pray for them. I can pray for them at any moment, and I need to be sensitive to that. If God brings them to your mind, then pray for them no matter when it is. And then this is a good reminder just to to keep with us as we go throughout the day. Like yourself, I've done this before. I've said, Lord, please bring to mind what I need to pray for today. Lord, I want to know what it is I need to pray for. So God, would you help me to remember what I need to pray for? Friends, if I'm cutting my prayer life short right before I run out the door to head to work or right before I lay down to go to sleep, then I could say, Lord, bring to mind, but it doesn't do much good if I don't give much time for the the aspect of prayer in my personal life. So here is Paul, and again, he's not rebuking these believers of Thessalonica. These are people that he would commend, but he's just reminding them, hey, listen, believers, brethren, pray for us. I'm just trying to remind us tonight, because it is easy to slip back into a, a ritualistic prayer life, a very routine prayer life. I'm just trying to remind us tonight that we need to be men and women who pray for others. Not saying that you don't, I'm just saying we might need to consider how often and to what extent am I praying for others? Because we ought to be as believers. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer.
Fathers, I come to you this evening, and I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be the people of prayer that we're supposed to be, that we ought to be. Lord, we know there is nothing magical about what we have to do to pray. We know that there is nothing special we must do. We simply have to do what you've called us to do, to be a person of prayer. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be reminded tonight. If we've been slipping in this, if we've been failing in this, I pray that you'd help us to get back on track tonight. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.